Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. I'm going to preach a favorite passage of my wife's tonight. Go down to verse 18. That's one of her favorite verses. Right there. Are you ready? Let's all stand up. Some of you are cringing already. Go on, stand up on your feet. To like, oh, pastor's in trouble. Uh-uh. Here we go. Colossians 3, verse 18 through 21. Karen, submit. No, I mean, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, lighten up. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Everybody say, your own husband. <laughs> As is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not... Be bitter toward them. Children. Children. All right. (laughs) Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Father, thank you for your presence, for your power that is being made manifest even now. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 that we're new creations. New creations. How many of you know that scripture? New creations. If you've been born again, you've given your life to Jesus, then you've been changed. You're a new creation. And in actual fact, The testing ground of being that new creation is the family. Because if anybody's going to really know whether you've been changed, it would be them. As you're with them day in, day out, year in, year out, by the grace of God. The Apostle Paul here writes to the church, Colossae, and next to our, next to the most important relationship in your life, which is your relationship with Jesus, the next most important relationships are your family. We should probably have a praise break for just a second. your spouse, your children. It's fascinating to me that when you come to Christ, you know, he changes you from the inside out. And really, the the proving of that is in those that are closest to you. When, When God, in his mercy, opens the heart of a man or a woman and they give their life to Jesus, then they return to the family that's really when you can tell whether somebody's been changed, transformed. It's worked out 
soil of your life of just being a new creation. And sanctification is daily reckoning death to your flesh and being alive to Christ day in, day out, reckoning the life of God in your life every day and putting your flesh down. That process is called sanctification. Salvation happens instantaneously when you believe on Jesus. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Many people receive Jesus, but they don't end up building what I would say an altar of sanctification and learning to be changed and transformed to become more like him, this process of discipleship. And so I found for me, My family, who I dearly love, has been the place that's been the proving ground for whether I'm spirit-filled or not. It's been the proving ground for whether I'm Christ-like or not. It's been the proving ground for seeing God's power in my life, in my family. And we have so many testimonies, many of which you have heard. This text is so important because Paul's writing about basically becoming a new family. Becoming a new family. And how we should conduct ourselves in our new family, in our new community, which is the church. How, how you should conduct yourself. And he, he's, he's teaching them. There's... Your family, our families need to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a process. I remember years ago hearing it, he's the Lord of all, or he ain't the Lord at all. I believe that's probably true. Let's look at this text here tonight. The lordship of Christ, lordship of Jesus is seen in our family in four different commands. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And, and again, I think that statement makes people cringe. You know, there's a, uh, there, there's a whole new feminist movement, free the, and all kinds of stuff like that. If you didn't catch that, then that's fine. That's all I'm going to say about that. But in this feminist movement, there's a new feminist movement that's, that started and, and many see Christianity as the enemy of women's rights, when in actual fact, it's Christianity that gave liberty to women and men alike. This statement here is, is, uh, is really radical. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 3. In the first century, women were seen as chattel. They were seen as, as something you owned. That's how it was. And Paul's writing to the church, and he's, he's telling him, hey, wives, submit to your own husbands. And, and, and most people didn't understand really what that meant. And we read it, we don't really understand what that means. And it's been abused by many to say that the wife is to be the doormat for the husband. That's not what that means. And all the women said, yeah. come on, all the men said, wives, submit to your own husband. Men's ready, set, go. See, it's always that way. The men are like, nah, nah. We're afraid that something might happen violently in the night. Galatians 3, 28. Listen to this radical text. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. 
There is neither male nor female for all one in Christ Jesus. That's a radical statement. He's basically saying that there is equality across, across the board. Whether you're male or female, you're equal. Come on, say that again. Whether you're male or female, we are, we are equal. Red and yellow, black and white, you're equal. We're all equal. We're all mankind. The Islamic world, you'll see incredible bondage. And in actual fact, the Islamic world today, how many of you have seen some of the bondage of the Islamic world and what takes place with women? That's not even nearly what it was in the first century. The first century was way worse. But not for Christians. Male and female are equal in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, Submit one to another out of fear of the Lord. We're called to submit one to another out of reverence for Jesus. So what does that look like? It's preferring one another. I think it says that in Romans. It's the key to a healthy marriage. Now there is headship. There is leadership in homes. There has to be. There's leadership everywhere. How many know there's leadership in the church? So ladies, when you marry, you want to think about that. When, you, when you're a part of a church, you want to think about that. If that pastor's a jerk, how many of you know you're coming under his jerkship? Some of you, come on, you need to be healed right now. Father, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, release healing. <laughs> That's a new word, I think. Yes, your jerkship. But broken people make broken people. Unhealed disciples make unhealed disciples. And so when you get married, ladies, y'all listening, single people, because if you're married, that's, you got it now. That is your ministry. Welcome to the ministry. You're going to have to work it out, so you better pick real good because your husband's going to be the head of your household he said, are you kidding me? He can't even pick up his BVDs. He, he's, he's got issues. Yeah, I know. Men are kind of like apes. They're, they're, they're unique. called to submit one to another out of reverence for Jesus. Are you saying you submit to your wife? Well, sure. I know you're ready for me to crack a joke, but I'm not going to crack one. She also understands that, that I have my role in the home. I have my role of, of, of leadership, but she has her role of leadership too. Together, together we serve God together. Do you know we never make a decision ever I think I could say that. Ever. Can when I say we never have? I'm checking. Hold on. I think I can. We have never made, I'll say it this way. We've never made a major decision out of agreement. You want to hurt yourself, make decisions out of agreement. And so that requires a mutual submission. The truth is, as a man, and I don't know how it is in your home, but in my home, I really don't care much about most things. 
I really don't. So as we plod along, she's taking care of the different things that she takes care of in the home. And I, I, don't, I don't really care where we go to dinner, mostly. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about most things, but there are certain things that I'm unyielding on. And as we've learned to grow together over these 20-something years, my wife knows when I get this look, I got this look like I've heard from God. And we have some track history where she would, she'll submit to me, and I, I submit to her, like, for instance, I have a chai here tonight. Hey, what's going on? I have a chai tonight, and then she got one of these cold Italian sodas, sugar-free, no doubt. But in the middle of worship, she got cold and wanted to switch. She's like, if you want to switch, and out of love for my wife, I drank half of my chai and took her full, her full soda water and walked away. But we need to submit one to another out of reverence, out of reverence for Jesus, out of love for God. Reverence is awe and fear mixed together. Reverence has been lost in the church. We're called to be like Jesus, although equal with each other, just like Jesus was submitted to who? The Father. We're called to submit. It's, it, it, I don't think it says in Philippians, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus is God. Say that. Jesus is God. Cults will tell you something else, but true Christianity, true doctrine, true Bible will teach you that Jesus is God. He's fully God, fully man. And yet he submitted, not my will, but your will be done. He submitted, and that's what we basically need to do for each other. And this authority structure in the home, man is, is to be headship, leadership in your home. He said, well, I don't like that. Well, like it or not, that's what Scripture says. And I, I've seen homes out of order where, where the, the husband abdicates his authority and doesn't lead his home spiritually or any other way, and so the wife has to pick up you know, yourself by your bootstraps and lead on. That's, thank God for, for people that have done that. But the truth is a man needs to come into headship. See, how submission depends on trust. You know, men uh, have a hard time understanding women, generally speaking, unless it, it really takes a redeemed man to be a good husband, I think. And they have to learn. Men have to learn. I have had to learn. We all have to learn. Women and men are, are different, glory to God. Women are relational, and their deep desire is to be loved and protected and provided for. That's a part of how God made them. Men desire respect, as we've talked about that more, you know, more times than once. If your wife can't trust you because you have a porn problem, oh, it just got real. That's Pastor Brian. Yeah, I got that from Pastor Brian. 
So if you have a lust problem, how can your wife trust that? So you're, you're obviously going to have a lot of conflict. If you have an idol of lust in your life, you're going to have conflict in your marriage. She can't trust you. I'm not feeling the love in here. If he can't trust you, then that breaks it. You have to, listen, all relationship is based on trust. And as we're new creatures in Christ, we have to work these things out in a new family, developing a new family. You know, ladies, let me just tell you, those of you who are not married, again, those of you who are married already, that is your ministry. You're going to have to work it out. We have a wonderful marriage counseling program to help you teach you and impart to you and train you. But, you know, before you get married, you ought to hear these things so that it will save you a lot of pain. How the man treats his, his mother will be how he treats you. See, that's why Pastor Karen is so blessed. Isn't that right, Mom? Say amen. Amen, that's right. How the woman treats her father is going to be how he treats her husband. Generally speaking, until there's healing and sanctification, transformation, Mission's got to be lived out to, with each other and before the Lord. And, and submission's an act of respect. It's, it requires humility. It says in the text, husbands, love your wives. You all there with me? Verse 18. Husband, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them, another version says. It's about being Christ-like. It's about being Christ-like. This command is seen in the light of really a Roman father of the day who was seen like God. A, Ro a father in Roman culture was, it started, it ended with him. If he didn't like the baby, he could kill it. If he didn't like the wife, he could kill her. He could do whatever he wanted to. That's, I mean, it's just wicked, a wicked, wicked culture. And he's basically saying, love your wives. You know, if you'll learn, to, if we, if we, men, if men, if we will learn to love our wives, then our wives will be secure. It changes the whole, it changes your whole marriage. Somebody has to step off the gerbil wheel from hell and learn to die to self. That's why, you know, you never want to marry someone, male Woman or man, you never want to marry somebody that can't control their flesh. That, that's, that's a mistake. They can't control their flesh, then you need to just, you don't want to wait till they can work that out. Kindness, gentleness, not being harsh, it's a part of loving. Men, when you're in your married life try to respond instead of react amen. I got one amen on the front row second row Tell me Jesus. <laughs> try to respond I was talking to uh, 
I was talking to um, Evangelist Tiff, who was telling me, he said, I've learned to take a holy pause <laughs> when preaching. I'm not so much, I've learned that yet, but I'm trying. It's like sometimes when I get on a rant, I'm, I'm more teaching you right now. I'm not really preaching right now. And uh, I have to watch my vocal cords that have been giving me a hard time. I'm praying right now, healing in Jesus' name. But there's times when I'm preaching and I don't have a holy pause and that's where I say things that like drive Democrats out of the church. <laughs> I get myself in trouble and uh, I say other things that drive Republicans out of the church and say things that maybe I just shouldn't say. And that's when Pastor Karen does, does the million faces of Pastor Karen. <laughs> and I look the other way and preach on, preacher. <laughs> you need to learn to you need to learn to pause and respond and be thoughtful. And you know what I found? I found this. If I'm not prayed up, if I'm not full of the spirit, my mouth just have a tendency to just run off. Where something might happen where I'll feel disrespected whether it was intended that way or not, and then I'll just snap off and say something as opposed to calmly respond I know you guys have got it all wired but I'm must be for somebody online right now <laughs> kindness thoughtful response children everybody say yes all right children obey your parents and everything for a plea you know children are to be discipled these kids are your disciples you know who your number one disciples are it's your children So, look at this precious little girl eating those sugar treats. <laughs> this is your disciple. It's my disciple, too. I see it that way. But it's your disciple. Can you say amen? Okay. Your children are the number one. To, the, those who your children bond with, please hear what I'm about to say. Those who your children bond with are the ones that are disciples. Those, that's who's discipling them. Whoever bonds with your kids is, is discipling them. So who's bonding with your children? Let's have a praise break, shall we? Amen. Hallelujah. See, well, I don't have any children. They're all grown up. All right, well, how about your grandchildren? All right. <laughs> children, obey your parents in everything where this pleases the Lord. Children are disciples. God has given children as a beautiful gift to parents. The greatest gift God ever gave me was salvation and a personal relationship with Jesus. The second greatest gift God ever gave me was my beautiful wife. And the third greatest gift that God gave me was my children. 
It's astounding to me to see them grown up. My son, 17, my daughter, 21, going into her senior year in college. She's got so much wisdom. This message has been birthed out of basically a dinner last night at Red Robin where, well, we just started talking about families and started talking about parenting, started talking about kids and serving the Lord and growing up in a church and growing up as Christians. And, and uh, there, there's certain aspects of my personality that were, you know, not the greatest. I have a, I have a tendency to be very intense, which I'm sure is impossible for you to imagine. The way I am in the pulpit is the way I am at home. It's, there's a consistency. But that cannot be so good when your children need you to be sensitive and, 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 uh, and just listen instead of, you know, try to fix it or try to maybe control them. One of the challenges I had, and I, this is like, you know, I don't know, Pastor Daniel unplugged, protecting his vocal cords night. I don't know what you want to call it. One of the challenges I had was that I came out of a deep, dark past. My mother didn't raise me that way, but I rejected everything that she taught me. And I won't go into all of that, but it, it came back later on. But in the process of turning away from that which is right and good as a in my teens and in my early 20s before I got saved, I experienced a tremendous, uh, you know, tremendous deliverance. And my eyes were open to the reality of the kingdom of God and the warfare and the battle and demonic assignments and curses and bondages and you'll hear it come out in my preaching you might not necessarily hear that in some other churches you hear it here why just because the lord snatched me like a stick from the fire and i ain't ever going back to hell that he brought me out of he set me free so you know growing up in my home you know i'm very very Black and white, very, you know, kingdom and, and, you know, there's the kingdom of God and there's hell. There's the glory of God and there's demonic power. And so it's like, you know, you know if, you, if you took a pencil, you know, you're going to hell. You know what I'm talking about? You stole a pencil. It's hellfire for you. So I had a tendency to come off like that. And, 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 you know, coming out of, oh, and, and not to mention Pastor Karen, you should hear her testimony. Whoa! <laughs> Hers was spiritual darkness, embracing the new age and following gurus and super crazy. <laughs> Welcome to Kings. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> and so she experienced that. And so together, you know, we're quite a pair to, 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 to raise children. <laughs> I'd tell them stories about how, you know, people were delivered and bondages and different things and so on and so forth. And there was a tendency in my life 
to be a helicopter parent. Let me tell you what that is. That is that you, and the intentions are usually good, but the last thing in the world I would want in the whole world is for my kids to come under remotely any of the bondage that God delivered them from. Minister Mike, if you take those keys, please. That's the last thing. I actually heard music. So I'm not a musician. It's on the, it's on the lower end. Help me. Is that, is that the lower end? Yeah, something in there. I would gladly step in front of anything on the way to try to hurt my family. Well, I'm sweet and nice, unless you mess with my kids. I'm not so sweet and nice. Mess with my wife, you're going to have a problem. Mess with me, you're going to see another side of Pastor Karen. I wouldn't believe me. She has another side. <laughs> so as a parent, I desperately wanted my children to, to, to obey me. And, and they have. And we taught them. We taught them the scripture. We taught them that if you don't, if you don't live for God, I can't fulfill. We can't. Mom and dad cannot fulfill the call of God. If you don't live for God, I'm disqualified. So you're going to live for God. Do you understand me? You are going to live for, say it, G-O-D. You're going to live for God. And so as they grow up, they start making their own choices and decisions. I had a tendency to just want to be like, just make sure. You have to teach your children and give them a moral warehouse. You have to teach them what's right and wrong, not because they're going to get in trouble with you. You have to teach them what's right and wrong because they're going to get in trouble with God, meaning they'll step out and, and end up in a world of pain. You have to teach your kids. If they never see you reading the Word, what in God's name do you think they're actually going to read the Word and they never see you reading the Word? They never see you dying to your flesh. You think they're going to die to your flesh? They see you talk and stink about the pastor. You think they're not going to talk stink about the pastor? They see you not tithing. They see you backbiting. They see you all up in the different things and not submitting one to another out of reverence for the Lord. And you actually think you're going to raise your kids to be world changers? You're dreaming. That's deception. I had to learn how to do it. You know, and I sat down last night as we talked and we dialogued. Listen, I've been here long enough to see kids who were like five. They're not five now. It's 14 years later. And I see many that don't serve God anymore. They examine parenting styles. If you use fear and control to guide your kids, you've introduced a demonic manipulation and not the principles of God. 
I got like six hand claps and an amen from over here somewhere. You can't, listen, don't use fear and control. I've seen this. Listen, we've seen this. I've, I've worked myself up now. It was all your amen and over here. I heard you, Minister David. We've seen this. We've seen, we've seen kids raised in seemingly a good home and you don't know what happens at home. And I hope your home is filled with peace and love and joy. And I hope you're training your kids and teaching your kids and giving them that moral warehouse based on the Word of God. That they're doing the right thing because it pleases God, because God's Word is true and right and just. But I don't know what happens in your home. And I've seen, over the years, kids that grow up, and the second they get out of their controlling environment, they blow up all over wherever they went. They just splat all over the walls in total rebellion, fornication, drinking. Tr they just go nuts. It's like go to college, just go. <laughs> what happened? Well, you've been controlling the whole time. You hadn't teach them to think on their own. You've been like a governor. Remember that mini bike story I told you about? It was a Briggs and Stratton. I think it was a 10 horse. Briggs and Stratton. How many of you ever know what that is? Ten horse, Briggs and Stratton, where it had this governor on it. You'd ride it, and it just wouldn't go any faster than that until you pulled the governor off. Buddy, that thing had some juice, you know what I mean? And we just thought it was like a GSXR 1100 or something. Couldn't even burn rubber, but when you took the governor off, we just felt like, you know, it would bring the little tears in your eyes as you ripped down the the little road, the little dirt road. Until the piston shot through the head. Which is rather dangerous since it's between your legs. Some of you were so controlling over your kids that God helped them if they mess up because you'll just come right off the hinge. Give them consequences that are far exceeds the crime. and teach them the last thing they want to do is be transparent with you and open and honest with you. There's a balance there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's not that you don't bring correction. God corrects, but he doesn't do it with anger. His anger was released on Christ, but there's consequences for your actions. That's how he teaches, and he doesn't count to three. Some of you count to like 10. First time obedience, you need to teach that. Anyway, I, I found myself having to repent again. My God. Having to repent again for not being sensitive to who they were and being controlling and only to have it happen again today. super transparent Sunday night. Somebody told me, you're too, I had a pastor tell me, you know, pastor, I was watching some of your messages. You're like, <laughs> you need to not be so transparent. I said, well, then I'd probably be dead. What do you mean? No, that's how I, that's how I stay in the game. Well, I'm transparent to my wife. I'm transparent to my pastor. And I'm transparent to you. And you know what I've found? I've found people say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for being transparent because, my God, 
my God. <laughs> they go like, my God, I, I thought I was having a hard time till I listened to you. You bring hope. <laughs> you know, arrogance makes me sick. I just, something that turns in my stomach. I need the help of God at this age in the training and releasing of my son into his destiny and purpose and the guidance for my daughter who's basically out of the house. She goes off to college Tuesday. She's 21. I get to be a, a counselor when asked. Of course, I take another role also, but I'm, and that's where I'm challenged. Parents, would you lift your hands? Kids, would you lift your hands? Ask for God's help right now. It takes great wisdom to make a woman a God, to make a man a God. It takes great wisdom. To the parent that doesn't, doesn't bring discipline, well, you'll, you'll have a prison ministry. So you need to bring instruction and training. You need to bring correction, absolutely. But to the parent that's overbearing, helicopter parent, you're going to have great sorrow too. You need balance. You need the love of God. You need to be Christ-like. And you need to pray your ears off. And believe God and teach a child the way it should go when it's old. It won't depart from it. Don't use anger and control to direct your children. They'll be afraid of you. I'm teaching them the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm all for that. But your outlandish displays of rage, people walk on eggshells when they're around you. God forbid they do something wrong. You think they're just gonna, you're going to get killed and sent to heaven early. How many of you know that's not God? Yeah, that's, that's, that's how the devil works. He uses intimidation, control. You'll never have revival. You'll never have an outpouring if you use intimidation and control. You need to be taught. You need to model the love of God. Oh my, how I failed at that. <laughs> but I've gotten better. <laughs> the Lord's helping me. He's been helping me all these years. The unredeemed guy, boy, you didn't want to see him. This is a new version, Daniel. Praise God. <laughs> By the way, if you never repent to your kids, you're a fool. Because you know you haven't done it perfectly. We should just have a time of repentance right now. Some of you need to just repent for being a jerk, for being mean to your wife or to your husband. You know, people, kids learn obedience to God through obedience to parents. Let me say that again. You will learn obedience to God through obedience to parents. And if you didn't have parents to teach you obedience, then you'll be learning obedience as God helps you. And then he'll put people in your life like me and others to be spiritual fathers to you. I have that role in lots of people's life, and I intend to do a good job. I remember so many years ago, I was so angry at my father, furious. I mean, like, angry. I used to imagine getting in a fight with him, which wouldn't have been good at all, because I would have lost. I'm glad it never came to that. It was just rage, because I felt abandoned. I felt, I felt like he wasn't there for me. I'm, 
The truth is he did with the best that he could and I'm grateful for that. But I look at these models of fathers in the church like Dr. Morocco who has his shortcomings too. I had a period of lifetime where I was so angry I'll never forget just going off and talking to God and saying, Lord, I didn't have a father that taught me these. And the Lord spoke to me and said, son, I'll father you if you ask me. And I said, okay, then. Would you father me? Father, would you father me? He said, sure. Let's go to the woodshed. I'm going to help you out. We can please the Lord. I love that. We can please Him. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Pleasing the Lord. Do you know that you can please Him? You can please God. Isn't that an amazing thought? You can bring pleasure to God through your obedience. My, my, my. You know, there should be no spoiled children. You need to teach your children to work. Need to teach your children to tell the truth. Need to teach your children how to handle their finances. Teach your children how to handle their emotions. The man of God is in control of his emotions. Remember that, huh? It's been a while since we said that. I remember my son, very upset. I don't know what happened. Him and Hannah got in a thing. Something happened. We were living in a, in, a, in a cabin and we chopped wood for heat. So he was just losing it. I said, listen, you need to, son, hey, you need to control your emotions. I said, you're going to control your emotions. Okay, so you're going outside and you're going to move wood from here to here. And as soon as you're in control of your emotions, you can stop moving the wood and come back inside. It was 10 degrees outside. So listen, don't look at me with that tone of voice. It was, it was 10 degrees. It wasn't 40 below. And if in Delta, it would have been 40 below and he'd have done it too. Get a hat on. Put a hat on. Put on a jacket. Get some gloves. Suck it up, buttercup. Oh, how could you put your son out there? To get a grip. When I was a kid, I used to walk to school 17 miles with snow up to my chest. I said, no, you're going to go out, and I want you to move wood from here to there. But here's the deal. As soon as you're in control of your emotions, you can come on in. Put the jacket on. Put the hat on. Mom's like, it's a little cold out there. I said, hey, I'm the head of the house. <laughs> you know, if you don't teach, a, a boy needs masculinity imparted. Do you understand that? If you, if you don't, that you're going to raise someone who's not masculine. I'm not even going to go there. But I did want to say that just for a second. They need to learn. They need to learn how to be a man. That's imparted. That's why there's a, there's, there's a whole society that's bent towards, they're feminine. Anyway, Daniel went out there, moved about three pieces of wood, came back and said, I'm done. I said, no, you're not. Come on, he's like, a kid, a little, little, little boy, seven years old. I said, no, but when you are done, you'll be smiling, you'll be filled with joy. A man of God needs to be in control of his emotions. He finished my sentence because I said that to him over and over. Man of God needs to be in control of his emotions. Say it. Man of God needs to be in control of his emotions. That's right. 
I mean, you gotta move the wood. There's a knock on the door. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking. He can't see me, but I'm watching. He's like, <laughs> but before you know it, three more pieces of wood. He comes back and he knocks on the door. I open the door. He's like, <laughs> I say, that's better. That's better, but it's not quite there yet. He's like, okay. So he walks off. Oh, I don't know, three or four more pieces of wood. He comes back. He is genuinely filled with joy. He's like, I got it. I got it. I got it, Dad. I said, oh, you got it? He goes, yeah. And you can't fake that. I said, all right, training's over. Come on in. Man of God needs me. Control of his emotions, I get. You need to teach your kids. Some of you let them have little, little hissy fits. Hopefully hissy's not a bad word. I said some other words recently and it got myself in trouble. Don't spoil your kids. Teach them to work. Teach them to serve. <laughs> All right, let's, let's conclude this. Fathers, don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. Irritable parents produce discouraged children. Say that with me. An irritable parent produces discouraged children. Let's say it again, because some of you irritated people haven't quite figured that out yet. You ready? An irritable parent produces... You're almost there. We're going to try it one more time. An irritable parent produces discouraged children. Learn not to embitter them. Encourage them. For every no, there should be, I don't know, what is it? Ten yeses and words of encouragement. Okay, here you go, Pastor Karen. You ready? Set? Uh, for every criticism, there should be ten positive things. Right. We we'll say, well, I can't find ten positive things. Well, you just need to keep training them. <laughs> You blinked your eyes. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, can you do it again? You did it again. You blinked your eyes. Come on, you can find something. We've got to respect our children and see them as God sees them. And it's so important. Family night. Sunday night, King. I haven't preached a message like this in a little while. I thought I'd help you out. Grandparents, same thing. Be willing to say I'm sorry. I had a great moment tonight, this afternoon. I came off a little strong with my daughter. Not too bad. I'm improving. But I realized that there was a, a fear that I had. That I didn't want her to make the wrong decision. And I realized that I got in my helicopter. Look. I'm like, get out of the get out of the, get out of the helicopter. Get out of the helicopter. You know. 
I, and I have lots of friends that, that stayed in the helicopter, okay? Their 21-year-olds don't even talk to them anymore except about the weather. But they're not going to discuss politics. They're not going to discuss their challenges, their difficulties. They're not going to discuss their friendships. They'll just tell you, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, how's everything? It's great. Because the second they start discussing things, you think that what they're saying is not right. And then you've come over with such a helicopter control anger thing that they're not going to talk to you anymore. I found myself getting over into, no, 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 hold on a second. Now wait. And I had to repent. So I, I went in and I, I said, ah, oh, sorry. She says, okay, dad. I said, no, it's not. It's not okay. And she said, well, it's okay. I said, no, it's not. And I asked her to pray for me. She put her beautiful hand on my head and prayed, the Lord touched me, and he, he just did something for me and my daughter. And this is this afternoon. When's the last time you repented for your shortcomings? Your kids need to repent too, but when's the last time you said sorry? And yet if you don't change, then you didn't really mean sorry. You really didn't really repent. But the golden moment for me is when I came back in to the master bedroom to take my glorious nap. And Pastor Karen was sitting on the edge of the bed and she looked at me with her tears in her eyes and she said, you're a good man. Do you know that's all a man wants to hear? I just felt like, yeah! <laughs> I am a good man. Thank you, Lord. And I just headed on over to my other side of the bed and said, glory. I'm a good man. Come on, somebody say <laughs> Oh, come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. Father, help me, help me, Lord, help me, Father. I want to be like you and all I say and do. I want to be like you today. I want to be like you and all I say and all I do, Lord. Won't you help me? Won't you help me? I need you. I need you.
crooked places be made straight. Every mountain be brought low. Every valley be raised up. Rise and shine. For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth. Attempts to cover families. But I see families arising and shining. I see healing being put on display. I see the broken and the wounded and the hurting coming into the house of the Lord to play. I see God's power being manifested on his sons and his daughters. I see his presence his power, his glory coming upon homes, coming upon marriages. The Lord is releasing a move of God in marriages. In marriages. You know why? Because if we don't have one, then we've totally failed. Worse is the unbeliever than the one who does not provide for his family. That provision is more than money, although it would include that. It's, it's the kingdom. It's being Christ-like to your wife. It's, it's respecting and honoring your husband. It's, it's, it's children learning. And even though they go through difficulties, and they stumble and they fall, they're not castigated for it. They're trained. God, listen, God's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of your sin. Sometimes we learn through failure, although we would never want that for anybody. It's just, well, it happens. I just want to say that as um, a mom, um, I feel like just from women that I know that the enemy really loves to do overtime in making you feel guilty and contempt for your parenting too. And the thing that I love so much about you, one of the things, one of the many things, is that um, he is able to hear the correction and receive it. It's just like, I'm like, oh, because it hurts me because it's, <laughs> I know, because it's painful to hear all that stuff. And then you take it and you take it before the Lord and then you don't have condemnation about it, but you repent and there's forgiveness and and the enemy just loves to come and bring condemnation and keep people stuck and so just a word out to all those moms and even dads that that where the enemy just played overtime because i've struggled you know for my shortcomings and my failures i mean like i know a lot of people have struggled i just you know blowing up getting in my flesh you know like freaking out and all that stuff you know and moms feel guilty about that and dads, but you know what I'm saying is not staying in that place, but actually receiving the forgiveness, you know, repenting to your kid or your parent or whatever and receiving the forgiveness and not, and then moving on in a new, you're a new creation after that. It's all brand new. Clean slate. We're starting over again right now today. So just to encourage you in that way. 
Because that's what I struggle with. I was sitting at the table just like trying to hold myself together last night going, oh God, I'm such a failure, you know? Even though my kids are, do my kids are doing great and loving God, but I have failed in so many areas. I know many parents. You know, the good news is that if, if we were perfect, Jesus never would have had to come. That's what Lana Cross said to me on Maui when I was a, a mother of two young little children. If, if we were perfect parents, then Jesus never would have had to come. So thank you, Jesus, for mercy. Hallelujah. And you know what else, is, what else encourages me? Is that there's a, there's a progression of healing that happens in families. I've seen third and fourth generation, you know, healed families. The Moroccos, there's others that we could pick on, but I, they don't struggle with the things that, that perhaps, you know, you've struggled with. Why? Because while their family wasn't perfect, that, that, that bondage was left behind a generation before that, so it's not passed on. If we're going to see a great move of God that goes from generation to generation, we have to, we have to work at being godly parents and godly children, pleasing the Lord. Can you say amen? And then, and you know, uh, Hannah and, and Daniel, you've learned from our mistakes. You'll have your opportunity when the time is right. Give us lots of grandchildren for the glory of God. Hallelujah. You'll be a better father than I was. Amen. That's the way it should be. Your ceiling should be their floor. And they go on to do greater and greater things for the glory of God. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Hallelujah. Here's what I want to do in closing. If you want prayer, I want to invite you to come. Now, that could be healing from, from your father or your, your parenting that you went through or maybe help for healing in, the, in your marriage now or your family now or your kids now. Or you're just like, man, I just need a touch from God. Wherever, however that fits in, I want you to come all the way to the front. We're going to close up on the altar, good old-fashioned altar call. You come on up. Come on up. You want prayer? You want to just pray? Maybe you can come together with your whole family. That'd be a great thing to do. Some of you need to repent to your kids. Sorry for being a jerk. Yeah. Some of you need to repent to your wife. Repent to your husband. We will have healthy marriages and healthy families here. We will. It's going to be a marriage revival. Come on, just gather your family around you. Come and just, just begin to talk to Jesus right now. your healing power right now upon all of these, all of these children, all of these families in the name of Jesus. Release your healing power in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus.
Be free from condemnation. Let healing flow like a balm in Gilead into every marriage, into every home. In the name. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Be healed. Be healed. close. If you're not right with God, you want to get right with Him. You want to get right with Him tonight. Make a recommitment to Him or receive Him as your Lord and Savior for the very first time. Those online, those here, you say, that's me, Pastor. Wonderful. Thank you for your honesty. Pray this right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. I pray, Holy Spirit, now fill, touch these. Those online, release your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.